The car business is changing faster than ever. And now is the time for dealers and allied industry professionals to get ahead. Together, we'll explore practical ways to help your dealership thrive or get the best results from your account through leadership process and implementation. I'm Becky Chernick, and this is Make Your F&I Profits Stick. Welcome to 2022. To get this episode started, I'm calling it the year of the tiger. The tiger is the third zodiac sign in the 12 year cycle of the Chinese calendar. And according to legend, tiger was confident that no one could compete with its speed and vigor for the celestial race that would decide the order of the zodiacs. But when tiger climbed out of the river, thinking it was first, it learned that rat had placed first because of its cunning and ox had placed second for its diligence. This left the king of the jungle to settle for third place. And you're probably wondering what this has to do with anything related to the automotive retail sales in F&I. Well, in my opinion, dealers today are just like Tiger. After this incredible year that was 2021, many dealers feel that they were sitting on top of the world, hitting all-time historical records like never before. But those relying on the 2022 market to perform just as well as 2021 could be in for a rude awakening. And without taking steps to stay on top of their game and keeping up with the competition, they could find themselves booted from first place to third and wondering what happened. So as some of you know, I work not only with automotive and light truck industry professionals, but also recreational vehicles. So the other day I got a call from an RV dealer and she told me that she wanted to train up, get her process down and her skill set in check because she knew no matter how the market responded in 2022, she wanted to be on top of her game. And she realized one thing that many, including me, also realized that the market as it stands today probably won't last forever. I sure hope that everyone is paying attention here. If you think that that 2022 will be a cakewalk like the 2021 was, well, you may be in for a big surprise. We are literally tripping all over ourselves, making more profit in F&I than ever before. And frankly, it's been fun. No doubt about it. It's been an incredible year and many dealers have been making more with less. But the question you have to ask yourself is this. Can you sustain the same profits, if not a bit more? Reduce those chargebacks and retain your customers in 2022? I don't know, folks, but I think it's about to get real. And if you're not doing everything that you can to train up and make sure you have a process and a solid skill set in place to deliver massive results, it's time to get started. Well, first things first. To me, winning deals starts at the desk. And we all know that that deal begins with that first pencil. And if you have a weak desk manager who can't pencil a deal without giving up the farm, and God knows there are a bunch out there that do, it's going to cost you profits. Now, of course, there are Evanine managers that can make up for it, no matter what you hand them. They're like magicians at their craft, and they can turn hamburger meat into filet mignon. As for the rest... However, the FNI professionals who may not be as talented, perhaps just started in the business, they rely on how those deals come back from the desk and trust me, some are worse than others. So as the old saying goes, 
Two heads are always better than one. It's definitely in this case. Ask yourself, how will that deal make its way into the F&I office? Will the deal get to finance clean with all the proper documents and with a completed checklist signed by the desk manager? How did the desk manager close this deal? Does the customer understand all the terms of the sale? Did the customer acknowledge payments in advance? Are the payments close to the cent, underwater, or on extended terms at buy rate? Is this on occasion due to desperation? Or will that desk manager send the customer into the box to close on payment? Now, some f managers swear by these box closes. They love them. However, call me a Debbie Downer. But it's hard to convince me that they are closing the customer on a base payment, upselling products afterwards, and the customer is just loving the buying process every step of the way. Now, if you're not aware, and some dealers may not be because they're too busy with other tasks, it's hard to disclose a base payment while closing a deal and selling products at the same time. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it's really a hard way to go. And that's just the facts. Let alone, did the customer really enjoy this entire buying experience? Honestly, it's like playing the roulette wheel. I think Evanai loses more profits than makes doing these box closes. I'd much rather have a customer close on a payment than not. Now, if you're using the menu to pack payments, well, that's a horse of a different color. Some dealers don't care if the F&I managers pack payment, but if you do, just don't get caught. To make matters worse, dealers are paying for a digital menu that itemizes all costs, including the base payment. It's very intuitive, it's interactive, but yet, some F&I managers, well, they'll circumvent it, do a workaround, and print out a paper menu. It's business as usual. Hey, I don't care if you use a paper menu to present products if you think it's a better way to go, but at least do it for the right reason, not because you've refused to learn something new. So I've met several F&I managers who thought that the paper menu was the cat's meow. And then they tried this digital menu and found out that they absolutely loved it and wouldn't use anything else. It's all in what you believe. Not to mention, they increased their PVR too. Just keep an open mind. Compliance is another big issue and it will continue to be in years to come. If you think you have a problem with some people going over the line, you might want to adjust those sales and audit those menus. Be on the lookout for bad behavior. And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And while this podcast isn't all about compliance, it does all go hand in hand. And if you're going to implement a winning process, I advise you, you got to look at the whole picture, see it through to the end, inspect what you expect. Now, the first step to accomplishing this is by writing out the process. Define, how will that deal get into the F&I office? Be specific. Define what's allowed, what isn't. So will you allow the desk manager to pitch deals into this F&I office not closed or complete? Do you treat F&I as a manager or are they merely the maid? Are deals structured correctly and are payments quoted with the $10 range, not closed on extended terms all the time? So I'll be talking about desking and how to maximize those profits and reduce liability in my upcoming podcast episode. So make sure to subscribe and tune in. Now the big question, does your desk manager submit the deal to the lender, 
Now, some of the desk managers I've worked with in the past actually do a great job with this one. But when you have a manager on the desk who's never been an F&I or even attended an F&I class, it can hurt big. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't understand deal structure and wouldn't know how to verify proof of income or book out a car deal if their life depended on it. In this business, there are more people who actually can mess up a deal than make. And why this is allowed to continue is anyone's guess. Shotgunning deals generally doesn't put more deals together. If you get lucky, chances will be you're not making nearly the same profit on that deal you could have had with another lender had you had your ducks in order. You've got to know the lender and how they buy. What's their niche? Do they buy retail or invoice? Are they FICO driven and what credit report do they use? What's their loan to value? What's their back end allowance? Getting credit approval should never be about shotgunning deals to see what lender will pick it up first. So I realize some lenders, they want you to submit every deal. They beg you to submit every deal. Sure, I'd want you to submit every deal too if I were the lender. They do this because they want to show you what they will buy and if you're lucky enough to get an approval or more likely to get the condition, which will mean you're cutting profit to put a deal together. Some lenders like Cap One will use Dealer Navigator. And if you're putting just an additional two to $500 down payment or trade amount, it could drastically change the call for the better. But if someone doesn't know what's available and isn't schooled on the various lending guidelines, they're going to miss it. Be in the dark. They're handicapped, severely limiting themselves to blind luck. So you have to think with both feet on the ground today. And it blows me away how many throw profit right out the window just by submitting the deal without even blinking an eye or taking a TO, making every effort to fact find to get this deal right. It kills me to think how many deals get submitted incorrectly that could have been approved up front if the details were correct to begin with. And it happens a lot. Meet the customer, verify the deal. Every deal counts today, remember. We need to maximize the deal front and back end. Now, some say I'm old school, but I was trained that Ev and I submits this deal to the lender. It's our job, and it's our job to make the deal better. What happened to that? Submitting the deal at the desk helps to speed up the process. I get that. And it gives the manager an idea how to close the deal. But too bad some of these guys can't read a credit report and or use the manufacturer rates instead of buy rates to work a deal instead of submitting this deal to the lender or shotgunning it. Keep in mind too, it's all fine and well until you have to call this customer back to re-sign the contract or unwind the deal or it sits on the CIT list until your controller goes off on you. The proof of income didn't verify by the lender or the residence didn't check out or the book out was wrong. The trade-in is in someone else's name and the list just goes on and on and on. Which leads me to ask, who is verifying the customer information and validating this credit application? So if you're thinking that this desk manager verifies credit application or assures the customer's income is correct prior to submitting the deal, it's not always happening. And most don't do this. The customer may submit the credit application electronically or the salesperson will do it. But either way, 
Very few managers are getting up off the desk to validate this information to assure it's correct. So what does that tell you? I know what it tells me that most of these deals being submitted to the lender may be seriously flawed. It's up to the F&I manager to validate to get this straight to put this deal together. Personally, I would want to find out a better loan approval before I take the deal from the desk at face value. But unfortunately, if you have an F&I manager who hasn't been trained on how to get deals bought, many haven't since it's something of a lost art. There is no telling the profits you're missing out on, let alone the car sales you're losing hand over fist. You know, I've actually seen a desk manager shotgun a deal to the lender with no income and no job time. So where's that deal going? One guess. This whole process, or lack of one, has me cringing in my chair. You know, how dumb can we all get? You know, I have been coaching Evan I since 2001, and I have been saying this the whole time. It is critical that the F&I manager meet with that customer prior to taking them into the F&I office for final delivery. I'm not talking about just an introductory handshake and I see you in my office soon. I'm talking about having the F&I manager verifying the deal for accuracy, including going over the credit application line by line. Getting to know the customer. Understanding the customer's driving habits. Building rapport. Tearing down the walls meeting the customer on their terms. This meet and greet doesn't have to be canned. Trust me, I'm not advising you to go out with a checklist in your hand. You know, why someone thought that that was even a good idea, I have no idea. I love how some of these trainers have taken a great process, twisted it over the years into what they think it should be, and have completely ignored a proven process that was implemented in the AutoNation stores over 20 years ago. And by the way, if you haven't noticed, AutoNation is still hitting all-time records. And Darwin, well, it's a great digital menu provider, but asking soft-leading questions doesn't replace the review of the deal and getting to know the customer firsthand. We got to keep it simple. Use the bill of sale, a copy of the bill of sale, it's an entirely natural thing to do as you are simply collecting valuable information to assure the transaction is straight up and goes without a hitch. It also helps to know that you can offer your products based on a value proposition. Think about it. If you know nothing about this customer, how can you effectively sell your products? It's all about what's in it for them and not you. If you haven't heard of Jeffrey Gittimer, you've got to look him up. He's as authentic as you can get. And you would think he was in the car business. He's as down to earth with his great sense of humor, a leader in the sales industry worldwide, and he tells it the way it is. This man doesn't add a sugarcoat anything. You've got to watch his YouTube channel. I especially liked his video titled Objection Prevention and Objection Cure. It hit home for me and why it's so important to interview and meet that customer and why it's so powerful. You sell to the customer needs and not your own. The fact is, you don't make a sales call without doing your homework first. Can you imagine not offering the customer a test drive? I realize some of this is changing since COVID. It still doesn't hurt to ask the customer to take a test drive, does it? It certainly helps to build value. But again, if you're lucky enough to get list price, seems to be the case today, it may not matter as much. But you know what I'm saying here. It's all about value. 
give the customer reason to buy from you. Ask yourself, why would the customer see the value in the products you want them to buy? Now, if the customer is objecting to your product presentation, ask them why. If they told you earlier on that they're holding onto this vehicle until the wheels fall off during that fact-finding meet and greet, wouldn't it make sense to point out that many of your customers under the same set of circumstances who have the same driving habits often take advantage of that service contract? Do you kind of see where I'm saying here? Get that customer to tell you how to sell them based on what they told you. All of this is to stress the importance of having that candid conversation with the customer. You don't have to talk about the customer's personal information so much, and if you do, ask the customer if they prefer to go into the privacy of another office. However, you want to be darn sure that you confirm things like, does the customer's primary address match their driver's license? Do they have a title to the vehicle trade-in? Did you pull the CVR to be sure there isn't a lien on the trade or if it's in someone else's name? Is the payoff accurate? Does the customer have full coverage insurance? Did you confirm down payment? Is it a check, cash, or debit card? And were they thinking perhaps maybe of putting additional monies down to take care of those taxes and registration fees? Did you verify customer's income? How long have they been employed at their current job? And did you obtain proof of residence? Have you done a complete security check to verify the person that you're doing business with is who they say that they are? These things are the nuts and bolts of a deal. You have to get your checks and balances in order. Why would you bring a deal into F&I office that hasn't been properly vetted? It really doesn't make any sense to me, especially if you want to exceed your F&I PVR in 2022. How does that work? Why would you leave anything to chance? If you're not on point, you will lose confidence. And once you lose that credibility, all bets are off the table. If you want to maximize those F&I profits, and that's what this podcast is all about today, Make it a point to meet with that customer prior to taking them into your F&I office. Knowing is a powerful tool. I realize some of this gets a bit tricky. Why mess with a good lender call if you don't have to by verifying proof of income? I stress the importance of going line by line on the credit application, which didn't include skipping over proof of income, oh, by the way. So for an example, if the lender calls back with no proof of income requirement, You may think you're off the hook and skip over the proof of income verification, but if the customer has a repo down the road, it could mean it's on you. You've got a potential buyback. It depends. So this is why I strongly suggest that you read your lender agreement thoroughly. Anything that you put on that credit application, you're obligated to, even if the customer signs it. This is another great topic for another day, and I'll be ensured to invite a few guest speakers who can pick up on this one and give more clarity. I'm not the compliance guru, and that's why I'm bringing in the experts. In fact, I'll even do you one better. I'll invite a few of my attorney friends on to discuss what's happening in the credit world and what dealers need to watch out for. I'm telling you, this is about to get dicey in 2022. For now, And for the purpose of this podcast, I can't stress how important it is that the F&I manager get all the documents to make sure that that deal is right the first time out. I strongly recommend that the F&I manager take the time to do their due diligence by fact-finding and also getting the story from the customer to sell to the lender. If in the event of a questionable credit score or slow pay, ask the customer what happened, 
what's changed, and why it won't happen again? Doing this helps more than you might think. Remember that lenders want to buy the deal, and it's up to you to give them the reason to look beyond the score in order to get their approval. So on my F&I today with Becky Cherney Group on Facebook, a veteran F&I manager in business over 20 years claimed he had never worked with a lender who bought the customer's story. And if it did, it was a long time ago. And he went on to point out that his store worked primarily with high FICO score customers, which leads me to think it's all about the rate and converting customers to finance, which makes sense. And you'll need a lender to convert customers to that financing, giving, giving you a better rate. Or if you're not using your manufacturer, giving you a better way to go with subvented interest rates. But keep in mind, these lenders may never buy outside the box. Rate isn't the end all. And if you want to increase those F&I profits, you've got to think lender relationship. How much is it worth to you? Now, you may need to do a better job to justify the rate, but a lender relationship is going to give you another way to go. It's about the total package, not to mention total back end, which also leads me to wonder how many subprime or slow pay deals this F&I manager may be losing simply because his sales force thinks the chances of getting a customer with slow pay history bought is slim to none. Watch out how fast they broom that customer. Review your F&I reports from one lender to another to one salesperson to the next. Do a profit analysis, and it might be surprising what you uncover. Check out my upcoming podcast, and I'll be addressing lender relationship and what reporting systems to use, how to simplify them, and stay on track and coach your people for a blockbuster 2022. And let me leave you with this. If you don't have a written strategy, it's impossible to execute anything with confidence. So make a plan. Put everything in writing. Think of it as a map. And if you want to go places in 2022 and keep Tiger on top, you have to realize it won't happen on a women prayer. You will need a well-thought-out roadmap that defines questions like, what's your objective? What's the end result going to be? And are you committed to it? Just in case you thought, I was a little out there. I wasn't born yesterday. I realize that your hands may be tied and that some desk managers will never see the light of day stuck doing the same thing year after year until this dealer wakes up and decides to do something about it. That's sad. There are things that you can do to assume control in F&I. So if I didn't say this enough times already, meet the customer at the salesperson's desk. Once the deal is complete and you know with confidence you have everything that you need, to get the monkey off your back, you can be at ease with knowing that the rest will fall into place. You have earned credibility and you're ready to present the most compelling and concise menu. And just as important, you'll be prepared to effectively overcome objections based on a value proposition. This alone will be worth its weight in gold. Check out my upcoming podcast on determining if your paper or digital menu presentation needs an overhaul and why a makeover will dramatically make a big difference to your 2022 coming soon. It's the year of the tiger. Will you be in first place or will you settle for less? Go all in, even beyond your expectations.
You've been listening to Make Your Ebonite Profit Stick with Becky Chernick. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating or review wherever you're listening right now. And don't forget to share to Facebook or your favorite social media platform. Keep in mind, I offer the very best in an in-dealership or remote F&I training since 2001 for automotive, recreational, and allied industry professionals. Get all your managers on the same page and make those F&I profits stick.